I like good Bible preaching. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. I was thinking as well, uh, one, he could have kept going. I'd have given up my time. Uh, I love the book of Ruth. But two, I was just thinking, it didn't dawn on me last night how interesting God's works because we're going to talk about uh, this organizer of mission. He not only organizes the people, but he organizes the plans for missions. That's where we're going tonight. It's interesting, he was born in Wyoming, raised in Cody. Am I right in that? God used him to start a church in South Dakota, then took him to Australia. I was born in Virginia, started a church in Virginia. Now I'm in Wyoming. He could save a lot of air miles and gas if he'd have just took him over there. His ways are not our ways. I love Wyoming. I wish I had been born there, and the truth of it is, I'm not just saying that because I'm in South Dakota, but if I wasn't in Wyoming, I'd rather be in South Dakota. Most people have me in Montana. Evidently, most people don't even know Wyoming is a state. I'm, just, I'm not kidding. Even a lot of my supporters, they'll ask, how are things in Wyoming? Or how's things in Montana? Or how's Kansas? Or how's Colorado? I had actually had one person tell me one time I was in North Carolina, and I, I said something about being from Wyoming. She said, oh, is that a county in Virginia? I said, no, it actually did so good, they made it a state now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's its own place. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, I am honored to be here. I'm going to read the same text to you I read already two times. But I hope as we read it each time that it gets fuller to you. The picture, picture grows deeper. And as I said, it, my main goal, if nothing happens this week, that you've been in a text that maybe you haven't been before and you're leaving with something with God. Chapter 2, verse 1 said, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east, notice this, to Jerusalem. They didn't go somewhere else. They came to Jerusalem. Saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him and they, when they had opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts gold, frankincense and myrrh and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed into their own country another way and when they were departed behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream saying arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod will seek 
the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed unto Egypt. Father, again, we thank you for the word we've already heard. And God, that's certainly our, our heart's desire to be steadfast, unmovable. God, always abounding. Lord, in the work that you've called us to. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us tonight, Lord, as a church. Lord, as we look at your word, that you would build in that steadfastness. God, by building in a word that comes from you of direction for, Lord, our place in missions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We spent last night just dealing with the organizer of missions. I, I said most of the time, and again, I, I came from this. I'm not just accusing you. I'm just saying I, I came from a background that when I came into missions, really all I knew about missions or approaching missions was the background I had in the churches that I were involved with and the people that I hang around. Things that I might have heard from the Word of God and, and things that I might have been given, but, but that's where my perception come. And most of that perception was is that our initial thoughts on missions always focuses in two areas. It's one on the missionary or two, the people that the missionary are going to. That's kind of the background of missions that I have. That's where I come from. And the main problem with that is, I said, if we're going to build that steadfastness he was talking about tonight, it, it doesn't start there. It actually starts earlier than that because I'm not the organizer of missions and the church is not the organizer of missions. It is the God who instituted this thing of missions. He is the organizer of it. And so before we consult about the people and concentrate on the people and before we consult and concentrate on the missionary, we first need to get a hold and concentrate on God and get some things from Him about what's going on in our life or what He wants from our life and, and how He wants that to happen. Now what most of us do, and I, I illustrated that yesterday morning, is that uh, and most of us, we've learned something and we just repeat what we've learned and we assume it's right because we respect the people that we learned it from. The only problem with that is, is sometimes, if I, we played the game tonight, I, 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 I whispered Brother Brooks tonight and I, I said, now here's something, I'm going to whisper it in your ear and you pass it to your wife and you go on down here and we come back over here. If that's the way we transfer things, most of you know by the time it gets from here to there, it's not going to have any semblance of what started over there. And I'm just saying with missions, if we're not careful, that can have happened with our missions. If all we've got is what I heard from them and they heard from them and they heard from them is that that's our philosophy and that's our approach. It could be that we're way off in, in what I do. Now, my background is this, and I'll give you a little bit about what this I get into Michael's. I said last night, he's the one that organizes the people of missions. He's the one that picked the wise men. As I said, he picked uh, Brother Kevin to go to Australia. He picked me to go to Wyoming. He, he's in charge of picking the ones that, that go where. And he's the one that is involved in choosing the one that are involved with the ones that are going there. He, he picks Herod. He picks Christ. He, he, he picks the, the Pharisees to get involved, he, uh, uh, the different ones. He, he, he purposely does that, and God is the organizer of that. And so it needs, I, I need to be in touch with him so I can be in touch with the right people. I don't have to figure that out. You don't have to figure that out. If we'll go to him, if any man lack wisdom, we can ask of God and he'll give us that wisdom that we need. Who are the men that we need to be involved with? I'm just saying anybody, just because somebody's got a label of a missionary, don't mean, need, mean, uh, it doesn't mean you need to support them. Somewhere God's going to handpick some for you and they, you'll get nobody better when it's the ones that God picks. 
Now, when I started at pastoring a church, again, we started a mission work there in Virginia. We were sent out by church to go in a, uh, into an area and, and start a, a church there. And again, we did. We pastored that 13 years. But I, the background I came from, I came from a church that was an independent Baptist church, and they uh, were involved. If you said, are you a mission church? Do you support missions? They would have said yes. But I, I was there. I grew up there as a child and spent most of my life there up to the time God called me to preach and go away. And, and to be honest with you, I had no idea who any of the missionaries were. I'd never met most of them, and I remember on the board when we came in, uh, there were a few pictures that, that, that were on the board, but I didn't know where they were. I didn't know what was going on in their life, and so missions were not a very active thing that was talked about in the church. I got to meet a guy from the Philippines. That's where my real introduction when I was, God was, had called me to preach. He gave me a, a native Filipino guy. To, he stayed in my home, and I ran with him for a while. He'd actually desired. I used to be a paramedic. My wife was a nurse. who worked in the emergency room, worked at ICU. And he actually asked us about coming to, to the Philippines to be medical missionaries. That was before we started the church. Well, I prayed about that, and I spent some time with him, and I, I learned some uh, things from him about missions. But but what I really knew when I got to hanging around other people that talked about missions, it was that, uh, and again, I'm not being mean, I'm not being critical in what I'm saying, I'm just telling you the background I come from, is that most of the time what I was perceived is that you were really mission-minded. If you, God was going to really bless you as a church, the numbers in missions was important to that. In other words, the spiritual temperature of the church was the size of the mission budget and the number of missionaries that the church supported. You get in meetings and, and you listen to preachers and that's what they would compare. What's your mission budget last year? Well, our mission budget was this. This year it's this. We got this many men over here and we got this many men over here and, and we've got all of this and that, that sounded good because go into all the world, preach the gospel, that sounded right to me. So, so what I wanted to do when I got involved with missions, I wanted to take on as many missionaries as I could. And again, what I'm setting my pattern from was what I'd heard from other people and what I'd saw in other people. And so what I did is I began to have guys come in and we began to take them on, $25 a month. Now, why don't we take them on at $50 a month? Because I couldn't take them on at $50 a month. I'd take them on two at $25 a month rather than one at $50 a month. Because the importance was the numbers. I had to get the numbers up there so I'd go to a meeting somewhere and I'd feel good about the numbers that I had uh, and, and would be kind of comparable to all of them. And I'm not saying that's right because it's not right, but I'm just telling you with the background that I had, that, that's what my goal was. And I, I, I didn't know any better and I, that's just what I did. And so uh, I got involved with their missionaries because I really had a heart for missions. I, I wanted to, to do things right and I, I wanted to be a good missions pastor. And, and so I, I got involved down in Mexico and, and I went several times down there. And I, I remember the first time that that uh, I saw our missionary that was there, and, and I was preaching, and I, and I didn't like preaching through them interrupters. It, it was no fun to me. I, I, I was confused. I'd get to listen to what they were saying. I'd forget what I was going to say, and, and, and I, I didn't like it. And I didn't really want to do it. And I, I, I mean, I went ahead and did it, but I wasn't very good at it, but I went ahead and did it. But the missionary said something, and it caught my ear. He said, he said, brother, you don't know how good it is for me to get to hear somebody preach in English. Because he was, he was born an American. But he spoke uh, Spanish. Every time he preached, he spoke to everybody that was there. But I realized that's all he ever had. He never got to go hear somebody else preach. And it made me aware, listen to me carefully, of a missionary's need that I never knew they had before. Because my whole mind was just giving them that $25 in a month. And if I gave them that $25 a month, I had met the requirement of the Lord and the Holy Ghost would be pleased with our church and everything would go well. All right? 
Because that's what I'd been taught. That's what I had heard. In fact, I've seen that quite a bit. One of the things that I see uh, when missionaries go to a field, again, this is just an area of things that we face when we go in and try to help in situations that a missionary will go. He's fully supported, and so he teaches his church about missionaries and the importance of, of, of taking on a lot of missionaries and, and putting a lot in the mission budget. And, and so they go and do that because they're fully supported in what they do. But they've not planned for when the next guy comes in that they've put their whole mission budget into the lives of somebody else and never taught them how to take care of the man of God at the local church. I was in a situation where church had lost two missionaries in one year. They just had, a, 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 they were on the reservation there. They, they'd had a guy, a couple, of, a couple of Native Americans come in. They were drunk. They set the church on fire and they gutted it. It had burnt the church completely, gutted it. Again, they'd lost a couple of missionaries in a year. And God gave us the opportunity to go in there. And one of the things they'd been taught, they had about, they supported 15 or 16 missionaries at $60 a month. And they gave their pastor $60 a month. Because they had believed that everything with that church hinged on supporting the missionaries. Now, I was one of their missionaries. Their pastor came. He said, well, I want to take you on as a missionary. I said, don't take me on as a missionary. The church don't take care of you. I said, they need to take care of you before they take care of me. But he went ahead and took me on anyway. Of course, God doing things I had no idea. And when it came time for me to stand before that church when they had a problem that they had things backwards. They had forgot the relationship they're supposed to have with the man of God and they got so concentrated out there that they never took care of the things properly in here. Then one Wednesday night, I'd been there for three or four months after that second missionary left. God gave me the opportunity to go in and just try to be a help to them and lead them through some of the processes. And, and God had let me know in time we're going to have to fix some of this stuff and, and deal with some of these issues. And I remember on a Wednesday night, one of the ladies raised her hand and she said this. She said, it was in prayer request time. Yes, ma'am, you have a prayer request. She said, no, but I got a question. Probably ain't the right time. Do you think we support too many missionaries? I said, well, I hadn't planned on dealing with this tonight, but as your missionary, one of your missionaries, yes, you support too many missionaries. I said, you got it all backwards. I said, you don't have a man of God, and you need a man of God. And I said, what's going to, God's plan is to use that man of God to feed and nourish you. And I said, you've got to learn how to take care of that man of God. And out of that healthy relationship that you have in this church with that man of God and the flock that God has given him, out of that, God will burst some things that you've never seen before. But you're, you're doing all this kind of thing. And I said, and in truth, you think you're supporting missionaries, but you're not. He was like, what? I said, tell me who they are. You've got 15. Tell me their names. They knew three out of the 15. I said, let me illustrate it this way. This is part of my problem with all the high numbers sometimes. I'm not saying that's against God. I'm just saying. I said, let's illustrate it this way. I said, let's say I've got 10 kids. I don't have four, but we're pretending I have 10. You say, you're a father. Do you support your children? I say, yes, sir. I support my children. Send them a check every month. 
What's your kid's name? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> where, where do they live? I, I don't know that. What are they doing where they live? Oh, I don't know that. What kind of struggles are they having where they're doing? What kind of successes are they having where they're at what they're doing? Oh, I don't know that. There's not one of you would say that as a father, I support my children. Would you? That's what I presented them that night. I said, but somehow over the last several years, that's got to be mission support. If we just send somebody a check somewhere every month that we are really mission-minded, we're real mission supporters. You have no idea. And I've got, I, I, say, I honestly believe I got pound for pound. I got the best supporting uh, crew that, that any man could ever ask for. But there are some that I'll go into, and I've had it several times where I'll go in. I've been their missionary for five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten years, and I walk in the building, and that person's been there for five or six or eight or nine or ten years, and I'll walk in, they say, oh, you visiting with us tonight? Where are you from? I'm your missionary. What God began to let me know is that there was something broke in our mission system in our thinking about the way that we do things. And here's what the Lord let me know. It's where I got my plan. You see, I got my plan from a man. I hadn't got it from God. One of the things that's happened in our generations, if we've got into the place of duplication rather than distinction... I illustrate that out of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. If you go through there, there's one thing in common that every man had in there. He had faith. Am I right? Take outside of that, they had absolutely nothing in common. Except faith. They had all got a word from God for what they did. And they carried out the word that God had given. That was their plan. He was the author of their plan. I'm saying in my life, I want God to be the author of my plan. In the text that I read to you, God is the author of the plan. He is going to draw up everything and he's going to draw up things that they're not even going to know about. They're going to be a part of his plan, but they're going to know that they are in his plan. He comes to the wise men and he said, now you're in the east. I know where you are and what I want from you is I want you part of the plan. I want you to leave where you are there and I want you to go to Jerusalem. I'm not wanting you to go to Bethlehem. I'm not wanting you to go uh, to Moab. I'm not wanting you to go anywhere else. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go from here to there and when you get there, I want you to worship Christ. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go meet the one that's been born king of the Jews. That was the plan given by by God to them distinctly. He knew where they needed to leave. He knew where they needed to come. He knew where they needed to return from and when they needed to return from when they got there. That was what he gave them. One of the things that I found out in watching them is that when they set out in the plan, they didn't know all the plans. When they set out, they didn't know how long it was going to take them to get there, did they? 
Now we know in the Bible it could have been up to two years it took them to go because the, the age of the child that they kill when he asked what time the star appeared. So it could have been a two year journey. I really don't know because the Bible doesn't clarify. I just know this. They didn't know exactly when they were going to arrive. They didn't know exactly where they were going to get there because they didn't know exactly where he was. And one of the things that I also know is that they did not know anything about Herod before they left. They didn't know how he was going to figure into the equation. They didn't know that they were going to stop by the palace. They didn't know even while they were at the palace that he was a liar and that he was going to desire to kill the children. They didn't know those kind of things. What they did know was what God had given for now and they followed what God gave them for now and when they got to a certain point, God would give them what they were going to get for later. Now let me give you something as a supporting church at this point that will help you help your missionaries. When you get a guy that comes in here and he's never been to the field yet for where he's going, don't take everything that he says as truth of what he's going to do when he gets there. Because in truth, he doesn't know all he's going to do when he gets there. Now, a lot of times, I'm not being mean, I'm not being critical, I'm just telling you the truth, is a lot of times some mission board or somebody else has told them everything they need to say when they get there. Because if you find, most of them, we're going to sound exactly the like. We're going to say kind of the same lines. We're going to kind of say the same things because uh, either they read the same books or they've got the same mission board or, or whatever, and they're going to say, we're going to do this, this, and this. And what happens is, is a missionary, they'll go around and they'll tell everything that somebody else told them to tell them that we're going to do when we get there. The problem is, they didn't know what they were going to do. All they knew is God had called them there. They didn't have the fullness of the vision. They didn't understand all because God doesn't work that way. God doesn't give it all out to begin with he just gives you that initial word and those initial directions for you to get how you're where you're going and and later on that will come so I'm just saying it'll be a help to you and and if I I get young men and I love when I get young men when they say preacher God's called me in the missions how do I approach this thing I always tell them say very little when you go to the churches because here's the problem and again this will help you help your missionaries is because what a lot of missionaries do is they don't know what the plan is. They've been told what they think the plan's supposed to be. And so they go around and they tell every church that's going to be their supporting church, this is my plan and this is what we're going to do. And they get to the field and they find out that's not exactly what God had in mind. Now here's the dilemma of the missionary. Do I follow God? Or do I go by what I told those churches? Because what those churches are going to expect me to do is what I told them I was going to do. And the choice within that missionary is going to be, it shouldn't be this way, but I'm just telling you, more times than not, it happens. That guy's going to feel like if I do what God would have me to do, I'm going to lose all my support. And the war begins in their heart. I'm just saying it'll help your missionaries if you'll have some understanding that when they stand up there and they say and they show their slide or whatever they're going to do and they're excited about what they're going to do because they should be excited. God's doing something in their life. But they have no idea the cost that's going to be there. They have no idea the plan that's God going to institute. Then take that with a grain of salt and just sit there and say, help them, Lord. When they get there to the field, say, listen, as God develops your plan, let us know. Keep us up to date. Because God's going to do some things. Because you need to know something that maybe he, even, he, he doesn't even know. 
Because there's just a lot of the plans here they're not going to have an idea about uh, so much. And in fact, we'll talk about it tomorrow night. In fact, there's some things if they would have known, if God would have told them before they ever left, they might have never left. So they're not, they're not immature Christians. They're not, not spiritual because they don't know all the answers. The thing of it is they don't have to know all the answers. All they have to know is where God's called them to go and what God's called them to do. They have to be willing to be able to leave that. But I'm saying with that plan of God is that you're going to get some answers now, but you're not going to get them all. You're going to get them when they're needed. They're going to get God's plan when they're in Jerusalem to go to Herod's house. They're going to get that. They're not going to get Herod, the plan of Herod until they have gone to Christ's house. Once they've worshipped Jesus, then God's going to come to them and say, now, here's what Herod is. Here's who Herod is. And now you're going to go home another way. They get all those details later on when God starts laying out his plan. That's the pattern of Matthew chapter 2. You got your Bibles, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. He said, If any man had come to me and hate not his father and his mo- and mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, his own life also. He, would y'all help me with that next word? He cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, could you help me with that word one more time? Cannot be my disciple. The guy will take you my history of this text. Every time that I've ever heard anybody say something from this text, this has been the, this has been the bulk of it. Now, church, that word don't, that word hate don't mean hate. And then they go on. They never tell me what it means. They just say, the Bible don't mean what it says there. I think it means what it says there. If you've never wrestled with going with God, then you don't even not know what this verse is talking about. But if you've ever wrestled going with God all the way, then you're going to have an idea of what this verse is talking about. Because there's going to be times in your life for you to be a disciple, for you to be a learner of God, for you to be a follower. And if you're going to learn, you're going to have to follow. See, that's the thing about the wise men. For them to get involved with God, they could not stay where they were. They were going to have to leave where they were. And that where they were was the place of comfort. That was the place of knowing everything. And they're going to have to leave the place of comfort and the place of knowing things and go to a place to where they know nothing except the voice or the star, whatever it is that's guiding them to where they're going. They're not going to have all the answers. And they're going to have to walk away from things in a way to where maybe they don't actually hate their mother and they don't hate their father, but their mother and their father may feel like they hate them because they've made a choice between God and them. My son-in-law just got saved about two years ago on the reservation in a camp meeting that we were having. And God began to move in his heart and said, Son, that's where you need to be is in Wyoming. And I've never asked my children to be anywhere but where God wants them to be. That's, that's, that, that's where I want them. But I'm saying that his family began to ostracize him and their church people and they began to get angry and vile toward him because in their heart they felt like that they loved God and hated them. 
Actually, they thought he loved us and hated them. Because as a man of God, you get what God gets sometimes. I'm saying with my mom and dad's life, when they're aging here in these days, and their mind might not work as good as it used to, and their physical well-being might not work as good as it used to, I'm saying within their heart, if I'm off preaching in South Dakota, or I'm preaching in Alaska, or I'm doing what God would have me to do in another country, I'm saying in their heart it could feel like I don't like them, that I don't care about them where they are. It's not that I don't like my mom. It's not that I don't like my daddy. I just love the Lord, and I've got to be where he'd have me to be. And And the best thing that I could be for my mom and my dad is be where God would have me to be. And the best thing I could be for my children and my grandchildren is where God would have me to be but I'm saying that there was a place that I had to make a choice I'm either going to follow God and I'm going to be steadfast and I'm going to go all the way I'm not going to be able to go out at all and I'm just saying as a Christian when you take those steps toward God you will not be able to stay where you are I'm not saying you're going to be an African mud hut I'm not saying that but I'm saying God's going to take you out of the the comfortable and put you into the uncomfortable Now, he may send you back. He sent the wise men back exactly where they came from, but they're not going to go back the same as when they left. It's going to be a deeper relationship that they had, but you're going to have to be willing to step out to follow God's plan. So I'm saying when it comes to missions, our first step is to go to the organizer of the plans because he picks the people. But at the same time, he chooses the plan for how it needs to happen. You may go to a school and they may tell you how it needs to happen. It's just like the brother said. It happens so many times. I get so mad at mission boards. I get so mad at schools. I get so mad at other preachers sometimes that begin to try to interlope and butt into somebody's life and start trying to direct them away from God and say, no, you need to go here or you need to go there. Oh, Lord, give us some men that can hear the voice of God and follow what God would have them to do and be where God would have them to be and do what God could have them to do because God's plan may not be like your plan. Be okay. One of the things about independent Baptists is that they're not very independent. Missionaries are afraid. If that church drops me because I don't do it like they do, they're going to call all their buddies and they're all going to drop me at the same time. Because when they get there, they find out their plan may not be like everybody else's plan was. I'm going to give you an example of that. I started it last night. And it's 22 after 8 and I'm going to shut her down after this. Because he didn't tell me tonight, he said you can preach as long as you want to, but he's leaving at 8.30. (laughs) No, he didn't say that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I told you I got the questions. When God had called me into the work that I'm doing, I got questions by men that were elder, men that I respect, men that I revered, men that God had used to teach me that said, how are you going to survive? How are you going to do this? And I said, I don't know how. I just know I've been called. And I'm in the process of stepping down my church and I'm in the process of stepping out and I don't know exactly, I'm like Abraham, I don't know exactly where I'm going or how it's going to happen. And I began to pray. I don't know how to, I know God wanted me in the West, but I didn't know how I was going to get started in the West. I didn't know one soul in the West. And I had a meeting with one of the guys that I had on my board and another missionary that used to be out in Idaho. And they were just having a conversation. They were just talking and through their conversations, God began to speak to me. And he said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go by yourself. I just took my van. I didn't take my wife, my kids, because at the time I couldn't afford to anyway. We just 
took my van and said, I want you to spend some time, go out west. I said, I want you to meet the guys that are out there. And I want you to do two things. One, don't ever seek a place to preach while you're in it. Don't, don't go with an attitude you want to preach where you're at. And number two, buy them lunch, supper, breakfast. You give them something. And that was the instructions that I had. Come west. So I packed my van, and my first stop was Devil's Tower. I brought my tent. I'm not a camping guy, okay? My idea of roughing it is uh, Holiday Inn, you know. Hot tub's not working that night. That's my idea of roughing it. Just being honest, okay? I'm on camp. I pitch my tent. I'm up in Devil's Tower, and it hails four times my first 24 hours that I'm here. Seriously. It was the time of the motorcycle rally. Uh, it was just in and up. I've never seen so many nutty people out with no helmet on, hail beating down on their head, and I'm sitting in my van full of everything, and I can't pick anybody up. But I'm, I'm out here. I don't know anybody. There was a pastor at the time. I think his name was Phillips. It was at Sundance. I called him up on Saturday. My first time. Here I am. But I'm on the field. Got held on two or three times already. But I'm in it for the hall. I called him up. I said, Brother Phillips, I don't know. You know, you don't know me and I don't know you. I said, God, just put on my heart. I want to come out here and meet some of the preachers and missionaries that's serving out here. I said, I'd love to take you and your wife out for breakfast, lunch, or supper or something. Just get to meet you, get to know you. And uh, he said, nope. That's it. I said, well, can I come to your church tomorrow? I said, I don't want to preach. I don't want to do anything. I just like to be in and on the service, kind of see what you got going on. He said, yep. People nowadays don't know what that is. <laughs> he hung up. And I thought, wow, I'm great at this. I'm really good. I've got my plan, though. I don't understand my plan, but I've got my plan. I show up the next morning. I, sit up, I show up to service. Brother Phillips is not there for Sunday school. I don't know where he's at. But, uh, and so I'm sitting there, and, and nobody spoke to me yet. And, and uh, so preaching time starts. He comes through, and he doesn't really speak to me much either, just kind of grunts and, and heads toward the, the pulpit while he's up there. And, and, and they started singing the first congregational hymn. Now, your church is different, okay? If you don't know that, you're blessed. Because most places, none of them have a choir for the most part. And number two, they don't have singing that has any volume to it. Most churches that are, that are here in the West, they have, a, they have a competition to see who can sing the quietest and actually make a noise, okay? That's just the truth. Well, I can only sing one way, and that's, that's loud and bass, all right? That's all I got. It's got to be loud before I'm going to get my bass. They struck the first note of the song. I went into bass, and you know, don't hear a lot of bass singing out here either. The whole congregation turned around and stared at me. But then something happened. He said, you know, we don't usually do this, but he said, we're going to have a makeshift choir this morning. Anybody wants to get up, you come sing in the choir, we're going to sing in the choir. And I thought, I'm in here all the way. So I plopped off of my back seat and I went up and stood in the choir and I sung with them. And what I noticed was there was two people that 
had came in during the service that wasn't there in Sunday school, but I didn't see them come in, but they were dressed. The guy had on a suit. She had on a dress, was, was really nicely dressed. And, and they were just kind of looking at me, and we sung, and after service, Brother Phillips just walked by, and he said, you can take me to lunch. Well, hallelujah. We're making progress. So he gets in my van. And I said, Brother Phillips, where are you from? And he said, Athens, Georgia. I said, oh, i got a good preacher friend down there. I've been friends for several years with now, and I mentioned his name. He said, oh, I know him really well. He said, a pastor two miles from him. I actually had one of his CDs in my CD player at that time. And it switched just like that. Whole disposition. He said, by the way, I invited two other people to come. As a man and his wife came in the service, he said, I've invited them to come to lunch with us. And, and uh, so we went, I believe it was a subway or something other there, not a lot in Sundance, but we went to, out to eat. And it just so happened, those two, one of them was in the Air Force, and he was just getting ready to get out, and he was in Moorcroft at the time, and they were, had been without a pastor for a while, and... He said, listen, I'm, he said, if nothing changes next week, they, they'd ask me at lunch, what, what are you doing out here? What are you doing? I said, well, God's put it in my heart to be a relief guide to missionaries because that's all I knew at the time. Go, go help, be a help to missionaries. I said, he wants to be a relief to missionaries and, and help them out when they have to be away. And this is what he said. He said, well, if, if things don't change next week, next Sunday, they're going to vote on me being pastor at, at Moorcroft there at uh, Prairie View Baptist Church. He said, and if they vote me in, he said, I get out in the Air Force in November. He said, I'm going to have to be gone for three weeks to get ordained, get moved, and all that stuff. He said, can you fill in for me for those three weeks? Yesterday, I was getting held on and rejected. But today, I'm sitting with the same guy at a table, and I've got my very first job to go do the work that God called me to do. Because I went by his plan. I'll give you an ending to last night. Remember I told you when God took me to Alaska and he said, don't talk to anybody. Let them first talk to you. Is that normal Baptist thinking? <laughs> I'm not against door-to-door. -door. I'm not against street evangelism. I'm not against any of those kind of things. But there he said, go against everything that you've ever been taught and don't speak to anybody until they spoke to you. I didn't know till three villages later why that was. Because when white men first went into those villages, religious people, supposedly, they took their kids away from them. And they sent them off to schools, and they wouldn't let them speak their language, and they wouldn't let them sing their songs, and they wouldn't let them wear their normal dress that they would normally wear. And those children that were took away, they are the elders of the villages now. So whenever I go into a... One of those villages, it happens every time. I hate, I'm a hated man from the time I step off the plane. Not because I'm a Baptist, not because I'm saved, but because I'm a white man. They've been born and bred to ostracize a white man that comes into their village. They don't want them there. What I did not know is that if one of them is seen talking to a white man in a positive manner, they could be beat up or ostracized themselves. You understand, if I went out on the street and started being friendly to everybody and, hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm, I'm glad to know you. I'm Mike Suff and I'm all this kind of stuff. Being friendly to them to where they look like friendly to me, I could have actually got them hurt. 
and had no opportunity to minister if I hadn't listened to the plan. So I say tonight in conclusion, we need to get a plan. And you as a supporting church, find out when your guy gets there, what's, what is God's plan for them there? Let God speak to them and find out their plan and then be willing to help them if their plan is not exactly like your plan. If it's authored in God, it'll be okay. It'll be right. Support them in that, but we first got to go to him. That's what I had to do. I'd done all kinds of mission stuff, and I'd tried to do it with the right heart. And, but the Lord said, I don't bless just because you do it with what you think is the right heart. He said, I bless my word and doing it the word's way. And so what I had to get was my plan. I hope God gives you one. Father, that seemed to be the distance you'd have me to go tonight. Lord, I'm grateful. You've been so kind. And Lord, I thank you for the preaching that was done to me tonight. Lord, grateful for that. And Lord, I ask God that you'd help us sometimes when we are stuck in our tradition and we're taught, Lord, that's, that's the way, God, with all of our fiber. Lord, we deal with this in, in, in other cultures, Lord, to where when you mess with a tradition, Lord, you've messed with something that, that's very holy. But Lord, I pray, God, if it's not biblical, God, I pray you'd help us get away from it. And Lord, I pray that whatever we do, it may not be approved by the brethren, it may not be approved by this one, but Lord, if it is your plan, it'll work. Lord, what you gave me, many said, for, said that no, nobody will ever support that. But you did. And Lord, you did it your way. And Lord, I pray you'd have some folks that would let you speak to their life. They would bow to the king and say, you're the organizer of missions. Lord, what do you have for me? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.